wants not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. We've been looking at a series of teachings. I'm sure that is redefining your understanding of the church. And Jesus said, I will build my church. When Jesus came on earth, he could have built many things. He could have built industries. He could have built banks. He could have built hospitals. He could have built many kinds of things. But he committed himself to building one thing. I will build my church. Somebody say, I will build my church. Now, that should tell you that what is most significant to the Lord is a church. When the colonial masters were here, there were things they built. They invested a lot in some buildings. And most of them were prisons. Amen? Yeah, prisons. Prisons. They built prisons. So that if you are a rebel, they pick you all the way and they dump you in. But when Jesus came, he built a church. Somebody say, I will build my church. And we started by looking at the fact that the church is the most valuable agency for God. Somebody say the church is the most valuable agency for God. Yeah, that's what God cares about most. There are a lot of people who think that if God is going to bring a change in a society, in a nation, he will start it politically. In fact, the disciples of Jesus actually thought he was going to do that. So when even at the point of his ascension to heaven, they asked him, he said, tell us, when are you going to restore unto us the kingdom? He said, you people, you are still ignorant. After three years of following me, you are asking when I'll restore the kingdom. Go and tarry in Jerusalem. Something is wrong with your head. Tarry in Jerusalem. When the Holy Ghost comes, he will correct all the mistakes in your head. You will have power. And then you will be my witnesses. Because I did not come to build a physical kingdom. I came to build a spiritual kingdom. And those who live and believe in that kingdom will have supremacy over every natural kingdom. Can somebody shout an amen? amen. And if you look at the history of the church, all through the ages, it has always overcome the powers of political kingdoms. Nero couldn't stop the church. Constantine couldn't stop the church. All through church history, a lot of people made efforts to bring the church down. They couldn't. Why? Because he will build a church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. So we have talked about the fact that the church is a universal body of Christ. Somebody say the church is a universal body of Christ. All right? And the church is also a local visible body of Christ. How can somebody identify you as a Muslim? You must have a mosque you go to. How can somebody identify you as a Christian? You must have a physical body of believers to which you belong. You cannot be a believer and not belong to a church. It's not true. The New Testament teaching about the church and about Christianity forbids it. 
We are members of one body. There is nothing like a solo Christian. No, you can believe in God alone, but you don't live a Christian life alone. A Christian life is always a corporate life. We live it in the midst of other people. And when you go into scripture, you see that again and again, there are pictures in the book of Ephesians where we started, where we said that that is a book about the church. We talked about a number of things. We said that in the book of Ephesians, we see the church as a building. Somebody say the church is a building. That is Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible talks about the church as a building. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible talks about the church. Chapter 1, he talks about the church as a body. Chapter 2, he talks about the church as a building. Chapter 3, he talks about the church as a mystery. Somebody say, as a mystery. The church of God is a mystery. And then, in chapter 4, he talks about the church as a new man. The Bible said, therefore, put up the old man and put on the new man. That's why church life is different from secular life. You can't belong to church and live anyhow. You can't belong to church and live below the line you ought to live as a believer. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 1 and 2, he says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love even as Christ has loved you. And he says, and has offered himself as a sacrifice unto you. Then he tells you that there are some things that should not be named among us as becoming saints. Who are the saints? The saints are people who have been sanctified, called out, and separated unto God. So the church is a new man in chapter 4. In chapter 5, the church is a bride. Somebody say the church is a bride. The church is the bride of Christ. He said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself unto it that he might cleanse it and sanctify it by the washing of the water by the word. Then when you come to chapter 6, he talks to us about the church is a soldier. Put on therefore the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Can somebody say an amen? amen. That is Ephesians look at the church. But that is not the only picture of the church. You know, the church is a mystery. And how can you define a mystery? I believe that is the reason why God has given us various biblical pictures. So we can see what the church is. It's a mystery. But when it comes to it, for you to be able to, none of us can relate to something that is mysterious. We need to have an understanding and have an appreciation of it. So there are several biblical pictures that helps us to understand and to know what the church really is. How are we supposed to relate? How are we supposed to be connected to one another in the church? All of that are in the scriptures. So we looked at, amongst many things, we talked about the church as a body. Somebody said the church as a body. What else have we talked about? I think last week, Reverend Bright did the church as a building. Somebody said the church as a building. Say the church is a building. The church is a building. The church is a building. And as a building, we are all part of it. Somebody say we are all part of it. All of us are called to be part of the building. Look at what the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 10. Apostle Paul spoke there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. He said, if any man's work, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Somebody say, as a wise master builder. Wise master builder because the church of God cannot be built without wisdom. To build anything in life, there is one principal thing you need is wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Yeah, wisdom is a builder. Wisdom is a builder. 
The Bible says, through wisdom and a house is built by understanding it is established. In the book of Proverbs, it says, a wise woman builded her house. Wisdom is critical if you are going to build anything. And Paul is speaking here. He says, I'm a wise master builder. I'm a wise master builder. As a wise, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Somebody say another. All right. So it's not only Apostle Paul who laid the foundation. All the early apostles were foundational layers. The Bible says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles. So Apostle Paul is one of such. Apostle Peter is one of such. All of these were apostles and they laid the foundation. Jesus actually is the chief cornerstone. So that is the foundation of all foundations. Last week, I heard Reverend Bright explain to you what a chief cornerstone is. And I saw the image he showed. Praise God. Now, so that's the chief cornerstone. But beside it, these are apostles who first started the journey. And you and I are here to continue our own. So he, he, he goes and says, the foundation is laid. But let each one take heed how he built. How are you building upon it? How are you building upon it? That's very important. How we are building will determine what will last in eternity for us. How are you building upon it? How are you building upon it? There are many things people are building and it has no eternal value. It has no eternal value. And I want our church to come to a place where we build with eternity in mind. Build with what? Eternity in mind. Build with eternity in mind. Build with eternity in mind. I know some people get tired of hearing it, but I never get tired of saying it. Yeah. Apostle Paul said that if I yet please men, I should not be a servant of God. My primary assignment as a minister is to please my caller. And pleasing my caller means not necessarily speaking to what your itching ears would want to hear, but what scripture would have us to understand. I want our church to be a mature church. One of my goals this year is to bring this church into a place of maturity. Because when you mature, you'll be able to do many things for yourself. There is no serious father who wants to parent a child that is never growing. A child that is not growing is a matter of crisis. Yeah, because you are carrying a liability for life. I showed you a picture, I think about two or three months ago. About, how many of you remember the picture I showed you? About an 18-year-old or so child who was an 18-year-old so guy. It's not a child, a guy who had not, because of a certain medical condition or whatsoever, had refused to grow in the Volta region. And we saw the predicament and the challenge. That image should never leave your head. God made me see that image early this year. And for me, the things that I see, the things I hear, they communicate to me. Yeah, they all communicate to me. Now, so we have to grow up. Somebody say grow up. Yeah, grow up. And that's why we're, we started looking at the book of Ephesians because it's a place of growth. In the book of Ephesians, give me Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I think verse 14 thereabouts. 13, we can start from verse 12. That, in fact, let's start from verse 8 and we will see. Therefore, when he had ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Somebody say gifts to men. Say gifts to men. God gave gifts to men. What were the gifts? Now, he who ascended was he the same that also descended into the lower parts of the earth. Verse 10. He says, now, he who descended also is the one who ascended far above heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 12, 11. He himself, he gave some. These are the gifts God gave. God gave gifts. 
and they were not gifts of physical material. They were spiritual, weighty gifts. He gave gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Then he says, the reason why he gave the gift is so they will equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, what is their work? How are they to equip the saints? Go on. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, unto the knowledge of the Son, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is one of the principal things the ministry gifts are supposed to do. They are supposed to grow you up. They are supposed to bring you up into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's what ministry gifts are designed for. That when they do their work well, the Bible said you will no longer be a child. That we be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things who is a head, Christ. You have to grow. You have to grow. You have to grow. You have to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. That's a mature Christian. A mature Christian is able to hear the Holy Spirit. A mature Christian is able to hear God as he is reading the word of God. A mature Christian is one who is able to study God's word for himself. Am I communicating here? Now, once you are able to do these things, you become uh, unbeatable. Every other area of your life gets affected. Spiritual maturity is foundational because every other area of your life is influenced by it. It influences every other area of your life. You see, the challenges we all go through in life are the same. When the wind blows and the floods come and the, what do you call it? The storm rages, they come to everybody. He says, whosoever hear these things of mine and do them, I liken him unto a wise man, which built this house upon the rock. Then he says, whosoever does not hear and respond to it, I will liken him to he who built this house upon the sun. Then he says, the circumstances were the same. Somebody said they were the same. Yeah, they were the same. They were the same. They were not different. The wind came to the sun, the foundation of the sun. The wind came to the foundation of the rock. The difference was the foundation. One fell, the other stood. And it was because of the foundation. Which foundation are you building in your life? When somebody says, I have a word for you, how can you relate with that word? How can you receive that word? What should be your response towards that word? You see? The Christian life is a very practical one. Somebody say very practical one. Very, very practical one. Very, if you meet a truly spiritual person, he is also usually a very practical person. There are two sides of scripture, particularly all the letters of the New Testament. They are all written. I was just going through a bit about the book of First Peter, and I'm seeing the same. It's almost a, when you read the, the letters of Paul, you see that it's consistently so. There's a theology and there's application. When you come even into the letters of Peter, there's theology and application. Consistently so. Consistently so. And you must be ready to learn. Somebody say learn. Yeah. You must be ready to learn. You must be ready to learn. We live in a generation where people don't want to learn. And you see, your, your readiness to learn starts with your appreciation of your teacher. How? Anybody who wants to learn takes his teacher very seriously. Yeah, They take school serious. They take their teachers serious. Because in school you are taught. And when you are taught, teaching is actually to guide you to go and be able to learn better on your own. When you are well taught, you learn better on your own. 
But there are people who think they can learn things, spiritual things. First of all, you need to be taught. 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 There are many things people read and they put all kinds of interpretation to it and they get it wrong because they have not properly been taught. I started out as a, a pastor and even that one I was actually taught because I read quite a lot. But at some point, I had to sit myself down and go to school and sit down and be taught. And presently, I'm still being taught. I'm still being taught. Next year or so, I'll finish school. Yeah. I'm still being taught. But there are some of us who think we know too much. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. The more I am taught and the more I learn, the less I feel I know. When you are growing well, your hunger always goes up. The reason why you think you know enough is because your hunger is low. But when your hunger is up, no amount of food is enough for you. So we talked about build. Somebody say build. Say build. Say build. So I'm a part of the building. Say I am a part of the building. Uh-huh. When you go to construction site, it's always not beautiful. Usually when architects are building, they will show you, look at this building. It's very nice. But by the grace of God, when we start, the ground will be messy for some time to come until this ultimate beauty will be seen. Those are some of the pictures he showed you there. He said, every one of us, you see people doing all kinds of things. When you become a proper Christian and you understand what it means to belong to a church, you will find yourself building something. Because life, you will either be a builder or you'll be a destroyer. If you are not consciously building, you are consciously destroying. If you are not consciously building, you are consciously destroying. It's a, it's, you are unconsciously destroying. Because your non-participation is affecting the effective and the beautiful construction that is going on. Am I communicating here? That's why you need to be involved. That's why you need. I mean, people will get to heaven and they will be surprised. As for heaven, there is the easiest place to go on earth. Yeah. It's the easiest place to go because it says, whosoever shall believe, you are saved. Believe and be saved. That's all. How shall they call on him in whom they've not heard? Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. So call on him in faith and you are saved. But when you are saved, that's when the real work with God starts. When you are saved, you have just entered into the, the face of walking and living with God. If God badly needs you in heaven, when he saves you, he will kill you. If God needed you in heaven much more than he needed you on earth, the moment he saved you, he will just crush you. And there are many ways God can take you to heaven. Yeah, Enoch, he took him there. He didn't die. He didn't see death. Wild wind came for, uh, what do you call it? He killed Moses and buried him. Nobody knows where Moses was buried. So he knows how to bring you to himself. But once you get born again, you pray, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior, you finish and you are still on the planet. You have to ask, like Paul asked God, what will you have me do? Because he has something for you to do. He has something for you to do. Well, so, building. Somebody say, I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Now listen, if what you are going to build will last, and it will not become a Malcolm disaster like it happened in Achimota about four years ago, you have to build with the right materials. Somebody say the right materials. Yeah, the right materials. The right materials. The right materials. For instance, if you are going to build a church for the church to last, Scripture tells us how it ought to be built. It must be built on the Word of God. The Word of God is the surest foundation that cannot change. 
Every other thing must be anchored on the word. That's it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him is life, and the life is the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The word is the foundation. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them all that are sanctified. That is the surest foundation. It has to be built on the word of God. In the context of the church, we have to build with the right motive. Somebody see the right motive. Yeah, Increasingly, the motives why people do things for God has been so corrupted. It has become so corrupted that we do things for God and our motive is wrong. But whatever you do for God, it won't last if the motive is wrong. It has to be done in love. Somebody say, done in love. Yeah, love. Now, these three things are by faith, hope, and love. They abide. Anything done in love abides. Anything done in love. If I give my body to be bent and I have no love. If I usher and I don't do it in love. If I sing, I don't do it in love. If I preach, I don't preach in love. Whatever I do, if it's not driven by love, there's no life in it. Well, today, I just, I, I, I don't have time to. And then, of course, there must be sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. Ultimately. Ultimately. You see, one sure sign of a matured Christian is not how happy he is. It's how he's able to make himself unhappy so others can be happy. That's a sure sign of a Christian. We live in a generation, the Christians we have now, they want to be happy. By all means, even if their happiness will make God unhappy, I must be happy. I must feel good. I feel good. La, 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 la. That's all. That's all they want. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. He said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. It's a cross thing. Somebody say it's a cross thing. No, no, it's a cross thing. You can't take the cross out of Christianity. The moment you take it, your effectiveness begins to go down. It's a cross thing. People come fast today because they are not ready to sacrifice. And if you look at your body shape now, if you fast consistently, you will be healthier. Yeah. When you go to hospital and they give you a crisis report that demands that you cut down your, your, your food, you will cut it down without this thing. But when you need to cut down your food so that your spirit will have greater expression in your life, you are not willing to do that. Are you here with me? Somebody say sacrifice. Yeah, that's ultimate. That's the Bible says sacrifice pleases the Lord. Today we want to look at the church as a flock. Somebody say the church is a flock. Say the church is a flock. Now, you see, the word flock or sheep is one of the commonest biblical metaphors used to describe people who belong to God. Christians, the church, flock, flock, flock. You see it again and again, again and again. Let's just take a quick look at some of them in the book of Psalm. Psalm 95 verse 6, in the Old Testament, and the, there are many biblical pictures like we've been seeing, but one that you can trace it from old to new is the term flock. He said, oh, come, let us worship and do what? Please look at it with me. Let's come and worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our, for he is our, verse 7, for he is our, and we are the people of his, and the sheep 
Say, I'm the sheep. Good. I'm the sheep. Now, that understanding is very important. Having pastored for uh, how many years now? Over a decade. I have seen people who are goats, who are pretending to be sheep. Yeah. They are sheep. In, in every church, you will meet those two categories of people. Goats and sheep. But I want you to know who a church member is or who a Christian is. A Christian is a sheep. Is a sheep. Now look at, again, Psalm 100. Psalm 100, 1, 2, 3. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse 3. He said, know that the Lord, he is what? Oh, please read me. Know that the Lord, he is what? It is he who has, and not we ourselves. We are his, and the sheep of his. Okay, we are the sheep of his son. We are the sheep of his father. Come with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. This is an Old Testament. And I will come back to the New Testament shortly. Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37. He says, Then this message came to me from the Lord, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds. Somebody say prophesy against. The shepherds. He says, prophesy against the shepherds. The leaders of Israel. Now, shepherd lead sheep. Alright, so when he says shepherds, he's seeing his people as sheep. And we'll see that very soon. He said, give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flock? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? I will come back to do this. Because, you see, when we see the church as a flock, there are two sides to it. We have the sheep dimension, which I'll be focusing on today and next week. And then we have the shepherd dimension, which I'll come back to it after I've introduced the next series that we have to do. Now he says, give them this message. What sort of way the shepherds will feed them? Shouldn't the shepherds feed Verse 3. He says, you drink the milk where the wool and butcher the best animals, but you let your flock starve. Look at that. You have not taken care of the weak. Okay? You have not tended the sick and bound up the injured. You have not gone up looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So, my, who are my sheep? Who is he referring to? Israel. My sheep. So, my sheep have been scattered without the shepherd. And they are easy prey for any wild animal. Please take note. Because I'll be running it so fast that some of the things that I'm referring to, I will not be able to come back to them. Number two. This is Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. You know, the Bible is one book and it has one message. And the message is Christ. Somebody say the message is Christ. Yeah, the message is Christ. Jesus said, you search the scriptures, for in it you, you, you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So there is only one book. Every book usually has one theme that runs through it. They may talk about many things, but it usually has one theme. And the theme of scripture is Christ. Christ from the beginning to the end. Now, he says, so my sheep have been without shepherd. Now go to the New Testament. Matthew 9, 36. Look at Jesus. He said, when he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That is how a believer who chooses to live his life without a shepherd operates. He is confused. He is helpless. And when you come to read the book of Psalm 23, you will appreciate why a person who is without a shepherd is confused and helpless. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. He leadeth me. <laughs> I'll come to it shortly. <laughs> uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. How has he sent us out? Who are you? Sheep. Somebody say, I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. We are. You are a sheep. I'm a sheep. All of us are sheep. And you understand why. In another sense, you are a sheep and I'm a shepherd. And I will show you why. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 33. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all his holy angels, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them from one another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the sheep from the and then he says, the sheep will go on the right and the goat will be on the left. And you know what we use our left hands commonly for. Now look at Luke chapter 15 verse 3 to 7. Luke 3. This is what Jesus said. He spoke a parable to them saying, one man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Now, this parable Jesus actually spoke. There were three of them. We call them the parable of the lost things. There were three things he talked about. He talked about the parable of the lost queen. He talked about the parable of the lost sheep. And he talked about the parable of the lost son. And he gave all of those parables to establish the, his main ministry and purpose for coming on the earth. Now, maybe we can start from verse 1, Luke chapter 15, verse 1, Luke 15. And, you see, then drew unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. You see, the publicans and the sinners had come to hear him. When they came, they were ready to hear because they, they believed in what he was offering. But the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man received sinners and eaten with them. They came to him to hear him. How will a sinner be saved? He must hear the gospel. How will he hear the gospel? He must encounter a preacher. And if the preacher does not know how to welcome sinners, how else can he make sins out of them? If a church does not know how to accommodate sinners, how can we make sins out of them? So that's what the Bible says. They came to hear him. And when they came, immediately, look at what the Bible says, immediately, he spoke this parable unto them, saying, you see, the parable he said, he was saying it to rebuke the Pharisees and the scribes. All the three parables, the parable of the lost queen, because those guys felt that, well, what are you talking about? You say you are the Messiah, you are hanging out with sinners, you are not serious. Because the scribes and the Pharisees, they separated themselves from everybody. Because they were up, Others were down. They were holy. Others were not holy. Are you with me here? Now, so that's what was happening. And he gave three parables to let them know that sinners were valuable to him. And we must come to a place where we don't just satisfy ourselves that we are saved, we are sanctified, we are going to heaven. We must come to a place where we make a firm decision that we will go with as many people as possible. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Now, heaven will be interesting for those who go there with many people, not those who go alone. Yeah. Those who carry many people with them. Which of you is having a hundred sheep? So there he, he likens to a sheep. Now, this is the part where Jesus talks extensively about sheep. And that, in fact, the whole chapter is more of chapter about sheep. That is John chapter 10. 
chapter 10, he talks about, John chapter 10, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Again, John chapter 10, verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. Know my sheep and I'm known of mine. 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You remember John chapter 21, when the man Peter, after Peter had denied Jesus, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did he deny him? Okay, so when Jesus had to restore him, he also went through a three-step process. And in that three-step process, John chapter 21 verse 15, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me more than this? Then he said, feed my sheep. Do you love me more than this? He said it the first time. He said the second time. The third time, Peter said, ah, Abba, you know I love you. He said, if you really do, you will feed my sheep. Are you with me? Now, what was he referring to as a sheep? He was referring to the people that belong to him. All right? Come with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 29. Acts 20, 28 to 29. Take ye therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Don't forget, I'm teaching on the church as the church as what? A flock of sheep specifically. That's what we are talking about. He said, take ye unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you what? Oh, over which the Holy Ghost has made you what? To entertain them. To entertain them. To do what? To feed the flock of God which he had purchased with his own blood. Listen, there are many things a pastor can do, but the ministry of a pastor primarily is to feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. There are people who have lost their calling and have allowed people to put undue pressure on them. They've entered into things they are not called to do. Yeah, because the ministry of feeding doesn't seem to be enough for them. He said, feed the flock of God. When the flock is well fed, they will be able to resist all kinds of sicknesses. They can stand against any attack. Am I communicating here? That's it. He said, feed the flock of God. If you look, the Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He, leadeth, he, he said he leads me in the path of green pasture. Feed the flock of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. You see, all I have done so far is to help you to understand that you are a sheep. Do you accept that? You are a sheep. I am a sheep. There are two ways you must see yourself as a Christian. Two ways. Two ways you must see yourself as a sheep. One, you must see yourself as a sheep in your relationship with God. See yourself as a sheep. Somebody say, I'm a sheep. In my relationship with God, I'm a sheep. And we have talked about that. He said, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. All right? Then Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. He says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. So he's talking about Jesus here. He's what? The great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is called the great shepherd of the sheep. In fact, Peter also referred to Jesus as the chief shepherd. Okay? So there is a chief shepherd, and if there is a chief shepherd, there must obviously be some under shepherds. When you have a chief operating officer, there must be other operating officers. Are you, are you get what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. So when Jesus says, I'm the chief shepherd, 
automatically there must be some other shepherds he's working with. There's a difference between the chief shepherd and other shepherds. The major difference is that the chief shepherd owns the sheep. He purchased the sheep with his own blood. All right? But the under shepherds are people who have been made overseer. They are caretaker shepherds. Somebody say caretaker shepherds. Say caretaker shepherds. All right. So, number one, see yourself as a sheep. As I'm standing here as your pastor, I'm a sheep of God. You are a sheep of God. All of us are sheep. Sheep of God. Now, number two, you must also see yourself as a sheep in relationship with your pastor. See yourself as a sheep in relationship with what? Yeah, you are a sheep. When relating to your pastor, you must also see yourself as a sheep. The Bible said, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, the word pastors there comes from a Greek word. And that Greek word translated means shepherd. One who takes care. One who guides. One who feeds. One who nurtures. That's what it means. That is, it comes from the Greek word poimen. And it means a shepherd. Alright? Look at Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 3 to 4. Jeremiah 23 verse 3 to 4. But I will gather the remnant of my people out of all countries which I have driven them and bring them back to their faults and they shall be fruitful and increase. Verse 4. Let's look at it. Let's read it together. And I will set up what? Shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Now, when you read this scripture, alright, and you look at Psalm 23, you see that everything is there. When you have a shepherd, he says, I will set up shepherds over them. Who shall what? Feed them and they shall fear no more. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, he says, and they shall be lacking. They shall not be lacking. When you go through Psalm 23, you see that when God genuinely becomes your shepherd, you don't lack anything. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Jeremiah 3, 15. He said, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding? Shepherds. Somebody say shepherds. shepherds. Okay. First Peter chapter 5 verse 1 to 4. We read from the New Century Version. If you can get that for me, I will appreciate it. Now, I have something to say to the elders in your group. Now, listen. This is Peter. Peter is an old man. He's talking. So, we have to listen to him. All right. <laughs> It's just like uh, John the Beloved. You know, when you read the book of John the Beloved, Bible history has it that he was a very old man. After they put him in Patmos and he refused to die, when he came out, he went to Asia Minor, Ephesus to be specific. And he was so old that at some point in his life, he couldn't stand. So they will literally carry him to the church. When you read the book of John, I will come to deal with Maybe not this year, certainly. I will teach on the book of John, particularly 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And then we will look also at the book of John itself. Now, they say he was so old, they will carry him to the church. And when he comes there, he will just sit down and just say, little children, love one another. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen little children in the book of John? You see little children? Because... When he, from the perspective he's talking, you're a little child. When a 90-year-old man is talking to a 40-year-old boy, you're a child. Little children. <laughs> little children. We'll look at that. Praise God. But this is Peter. He said, I'm speaking to you. 
He says, I said to you, the elders in the group, and you're talking about the pastors or the shepherds. He says, I'm also an elder. Uh-huh. He's just giving you CV. I'm also an elder. And if you think I'm a mean elder, I want you to know I have seen Christ's sufferings. And I share in the glory that will be shown to us. I beg you to shepherd God's flock for whom you are responsible. That's what shepherds are. He says, watch over them because you want to, not because you are forced. When you become a shepherd, let's say we, we set up the families and you are a family shepherd, that should be your attitude. You see, understanding this is both sides. There's a way a shepherd shepherds flock. There's a way a, a sheep behave and there's a way a shepherd also must behave. He says, you do it because you want to. That is how God wants you to do it because you are happy to serve, not because you want money. The basic motivation for ministry is not money. It's not money. It's not money. Money is very important in ministry. But if your goal in ministry is money, you will see everything in money terms. Everything you see money in it. <laughs> I will share the details later. Verse 3, he says, Do not be like a ruler over the people you are responsible for, but be good examples for them. Be good examples. The responsibility of being a shepherd is tough. Very, very, very tough. Now, when you understand that the responsibility of being a shepherd is tough, you will not give your shepherds problems. Yeah, there are people here that when you are put in families and your family shepherds even call you, you don't even have the ketsy to return the call. You don't. You don't even have the ketsy. Yeah, you don't have it. And it's a bad church manner. The Bible says love is not rude. In fact, some people even forget about family shepherds. There are some people, some of the pastors, some of my assistant pastors will call and call and call. They will not even answer. They will not answer. And you say you are, you are a goat here. You are not a sheep here. You are a goat here. But we won't tell you you are a goat. Yeah. And please don't leave this church and say, my pastor told me I'm a goat. I have not said you are a goat. <laughs> I have not said that. <laughs> there is a certain goat-like behavior. <laughs> are you here? Let me close. Three biblical characteristics about sheep. Number one, sheep are dumb. Sheep, they are dumb. That's the first thing. There are three D's we are going to use. That, and all of these will let you know that why you need a shepherd as a sheep. When the Bible calls you a sheep, it means because of certain things that people are. Sheep, number one, they are dumb. It doesn't mean that your brain is not there, but in matters of spiritual things. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. You see it, and even in the natural, I don't know, but I have driven and come across a flock of sheep, and they were driving to come and meet my car, so I will knock all of them down. I don't know how many of you have had that experience before, those of you who drive. Goat, they will jump away, but sheep can be coming to, you see the car coming, and they won't stop. They are trying to cross the road, and they will still cross. Maybe they think that the car is just a, an animal like them. They don't know that in the next minute, if you kick them, they are dead. But that's what sheep are. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. Sheep are dumb. Look at First Peter 2, 5. For you were a sheep going astray. Going astray. When Jesus saw them, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he said, for when he saw them, he had compassion on them because they were confused. It takes a confused animal to be walking their way into their own death. That's why a sheep will need guidance. If you're a sheep and you don't see yourself as sheep, 
You miss out all the things you, you need. He says they were confused, helpless, like sheep without shepherd. Now, this is what it means. It means also that when you go through life with a shepherd, you will not be confused. You will not be helpless. Yeah. And those who have stayed in church as sheep over the years, I'm sure you can testify. That through the word of God, you have been helped. Through the word of God, you have not been confused. By the time you are confused about a matter, you either seek the counsel of your leaders or you seek the counsel through the ministry of the word of God. By the time you finish, clarity has come. You see, that's, that's how it is. Number two, sheep are dependent. Sheep are dependent. We are living in a society where people are increasingly becoming independent. People want to, nobody, nobody can, you can't tell me what I ought to do. Continue. Somebody will soon tell you, and I pray that it will not be too late. You can't tell me how to run my home. Well, continue. Very soon, there won't be home for you to run. <laughs> sheep are dependent. Somebody say sheep are dependent. Now listen, so as a sheep, you have to understand these weaknesses about you and then accept and embrace God's provision for it. Psalm 23, we see the total dependence of a sheep. Let's read something. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? Now look at it. He said, he makes me, look, look at that. He makes me to lie down. He leads me beside the still waters. Verse 3, he said, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me. Now, take note of you and he. The number of times those things appear there. He makes me. The life of a sheep is totally dependent on the shepherd. That's why the shepherd who pastors you matters a lot. Who pastors you matters a lot. There are people who have died before their time because they are in the wrong place. He maketh me. When you have a shepherd, that's, that's why you won't want because your shepherd shows you how to do things and you are getting things done. They are dependent. Somebody say they are dependent. And then number three, which is my final point for today, sheep are defenseless. If you are looking for one group of animals who are most vulnerable, they are sheep. Sheep, they are vulnerable. I was just telling you. They are so vulnerable to the point that when uh, they are moving, they can be moving to their own grave. And they don't know. Yeah, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. John chapter 10 verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd given his life for the sheep. Verse 12. But he that is an hireling and is not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf. Somebody say, seeth the wolf. And leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth the sheep and scattereth them. As for sheep and wolf, it's a very serious thing. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 29. He says, so keep watch over yourselves and over all the flood the Holy Ghost has placed you in your care. Be shepherds of the church of God who has made his own through the blood of his son. Now look at verse, I know that after I leave, verse 29, somebody say, after I leave. After I leave. Uh -huh. after I leave. He said, Peter is speaking, uh, Paul, I know after I leave, fierce wolves will come among you and they will not spare the flock. Fierce wolves. Fierce wolves. Fierce wolves. Fierce wolves. I mean, the picture of sheep being hunted down comes very, very clear in the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 to 35. 
He said, I kept my father's sheep. That's what David said. Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And they came a lion. Give me that first Samuel 17, 34 to 35. They came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. They came. Sometimes the lions that come, there is a certain man who wants to marry you and is not born again. He's a lion. He's about to take you and destroy your life. As for me, I know this person. If I go and tell pastor, you tell me the guy is not born again. Carry on, madam. A pra, a better than Yeah. He said there came a bear, there came a sheep, and I took them. I wanted to destroy them. He says they came, took a lamb out of the flock. Look at what the good shepherd. I went after him. When you have a good shepherd, he becomes concerned about your life. He engages you. He speaks to you. And there are people who are in church and they remain forever mystery. Mystery stars. Nobody knows anything about them. No. No. Their plans are in their head. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. 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 That's how somebody could be killed by a husband and a pastor says he doesn't know. How many of you have not read about Osinachi? Yeah. He said, the pastor said he didn't know. It's a very sad thing. Yeah. So you can be in the choir and your pastor doesn't know. <laughs> you can be in the horses and your pastor doesn't know. Listen, next week I'll be talking about how this relationship works. When you come to church, there is always, the Bible says, till I come, I write to you shortly. I hope to come to you shortly. But if I tarry, I need to write to you so you know how to behave yourself in the house of God. The house of God is not like any other place. It's not a place where we live as if we are on our own. No, 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 no. God brought you here to help you. And he has placed helpers here. So there is a way you must see your shepherds in order to obtain help. May the Lord give you understanding. May the Lord help you to understand what I'm saying. So we are all shepherds, sheep, in the sense that we all take leadership from God. And God has also under shepherds. Jesus is the chief shepherd. You see, one of the greatest deceptions I have found in our time, the Kindakon, is the fact that we have a generation of believers who accept God as their shepherd. But they don't want to accept a pastor as their shepherd. Yeah, they don't, they don't. As for God, it's okay. But as for pastors, oh, these pastors, what do they know? Yeah. Yeah. But the moment you say that you are saying God is, fool, God is foolish, because he's the one who says, I'm the chief shepherd. And if you will never go to any good organization. And the organization is such that the boss will attend to anybody who fails to go through the ranks. No, 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 no. For any proper organization. If you go to a place where everything is around one man, that's where it's like that. But if you go to a well-established organization, and by the way, the church of God is that established. When Jesus came, he laid the foundation with his blood, and then he set leadership in place in the church. You have to go. I mean, you are coming to see me, you will see my secretary. Forget it. Because you don't have regard for my secretary, I have no regard for you. Yeah. 
If a matter is being handled, assistant pastor attends to you, you won't mind him. I won't mind you. The same way, if you will not mind the shepherds God has set over you, God will not mind you. Yeah. God will not mind you. God will not mind you. It's heavy meat, too. It's heavy meat. It's heavy meat. I want you to grow up. Somebody say grow up. Yeah, I, want, I, want, I really want you to grow up. Because uh, it is difficult to handle babies for a long time. Are you blessed? Are you sure you are blessed? Yeah, I don't have complex revelations to teach. I just want to teach the simple things Jesus taught. And those who believe in it and work with it, it works for them. Stand on your feet. The church as a flock. Somebody say, I'm part of the church. I'm a flock. I'm part of the flock. I'm part of the flock. I'm connected to my shepherd. Praise the Lord. Open your mouth and ask God for the humility to stay connected to your flock. Open your mouth and speak to God. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no, no.